Hello everyone, welcome to episode 3. You're tuning to The Other Way Podcast where two Asian guys explore navigating modern life with a creative intervention. I'm Nick, your host. And I'm David. So today, we're gonna be unwrapping a quite an interesting topic about self-identity. And the magic question is... Just recently, I was uh, chatting with a friend, you know, and then he was just telling me things about like he wish he would be more outgoing in life. Sometimes he wish if he was more outgoing, he will have more opportunities as well, uh, be it with work, you know, with people and stuff like that, which got me thinking. Sometimes we get a bit too hard up on our own identities and that kind of funnels us down into like a very narrow vision of like who we are. What do you think about that? Yeah, I tend to agree, right? So I, I sometimes I think the weight of our past prevents us from mm. from starting anew, right? It prevents us from moving forward, right? We're kind of stuck with these, you know, stressful events or like negative experiences. And I think sometimes um, that could be a problem. Yeah, actually that's true as well. And I think a lot of times we tend to label ourselves. For example, some of us, we were quiet when we were younger, we're pretty introverted. Sometimes we even shy, you know? And this kind of beliefs like kind of just um, stick closely to us even through our uh, older years so when we go to work we'll feel like okay if we're shy you know like i probably won't be able to make a lot of friends i probably won't be able to do a sales job things like that and that's pretty limiting i feel and which shouldn't be the case yeah yep so i think maybe the special question today that we want to just unpack together is it's a question of whether is self-identity a standard set of rules or is it a fluid affair yeah, so, you know, I think that that question is always changing, right? You know, you tailor that answer based on the receiver. Like, who are you talking to when they ask you that question, right? And which kind of self do you want to present to them? You know, I could take that example for, you know, when you're interviewing for a job, right? And they ask you questions about discovering who you are as a person. And so I've always have to tailor that answer based on kind of what they expect to hear, right? And also... You know, you take that answer based on a friend, right? Or even your family members. So I, I do think that that answer is always changing. It's always fluid. That is true. Which actually leads me to one thing. Have you ever done this MBTI thing? You mean the Myers-Briggs? Yeah, I've taken it before. Yeah, so I used to, back in the days, I think in 2013, if I'm not wrong, I actually did a MBTI test for my job. It actually turned out that I was ENFP. For listeners out there, what uh, MBTI is basically, it split your personality type into four different alphabets. And each alphabet kind of means a certain trait for you. So for me, ENFP, E being extroverted. And being intuitive, F being a very feelings person, so I go with like my mood to do stuff. P being perceived. At a point of time when I did this personality test, I was pretty intrigued like, oh, okay, so this is who I am, you know, who I am. And then I kind of operated based on that persona type that they told me. Even through work, you know, I felt like, okay, I was more like a feelings person. I probably wasn't very good at being very structured and I was probably wasn't very good at numbers. So I allowed myself to kind of uh, stick to that persona all, all along. But later down the years, I realized I started to do more work that required me to be more structured, you know, that required me to do more numbers as well so i realized there was a change in me so my top patterns change and what i found out about myself is that 
I started to operate very, very differently. Mm. So I went to do like, right, another MBTI test. And this time, true enough, it came back INTJ instead of an ENFP, which actually is very telling that based on your environment, one can actually change pretty drastically the kind of like personality you exude. Just for me, my case, it was for myself to survive in work, right? So that I could operate efficiently to deliver what I need to deliver. So I had to to be more structured, had to be more numbers driven versus who I was before when I was uh, still a creative where I could operate more on based on mood, right? Yeah, so with that, I feel that there is kind of the short term that is dependent on like the environment of that day when you take those tests. But there's also there's these like long term changes that can happen over time, right? The accumulation of new experiences can definitely affect that. So for me, like I've always been a strong extrovert. So on the Myers-Briggs, it's the E, like I think I'm like a plus three E. And I've been like that forever. Um, The other factors of that test i've actually been much more fluid so i think the like the i and the f and the j like i've always been kind of fluid back and forth and i think that goes to show that it's not either or right it is the buckets right everyone has different levels of introversion and extroversion that can actually fluctuate on a daily basis but i think that's that there's a base that exists that kind of maybe speaks to who you are and like you said right that Sometimes if you were growing up as a kid, if you you were always told that you were one personality or your parents told you, your friends told you, your teachers told you, you might actually begin to believe that yourself, even if naturally you're not like that. So I do think that the kind of nature and versus nurture is very strong in determining your sort of personality. But that being said, right, they can always change because as you get older, you have new experiences, right? And then that frames kind of maybe the way your personality um, can, can change because of that. Actually, I like what you said about the nature versus nurture. So that gave me a thought, right? I think by nature, most of us are who we believe ourselves to be when we're younger. So for me, when I was younger, I was a very, very shy boy, right? When I was younger, I was often pretty afraid of just even interacting with people, engaging with people. But through the years when I got older, this is where the nurture part kicks in, right? Um, I have to start going out to you know make contact with people. I have to start selling my ideas and even even at job interviews, you need to start selling yourself. So this is pretty much in a whole nurture state where you need to start transforming beyond your comfort zone, which is your nature, into your nurture path. That, that's I think where most of us has the opportunity to grow into very different kind of personas that we never thought that we were capable of before. Yeah, right. And I, I think sometimes in your example, right, maybe it was very, very difficult, very challenging, very awkward to get out there and like do sales to be more people facing. But, you know, practice makes perfect, right? So I think people have this fallacy where like, well, you know, I'm bad at this one thing because I did it once. So therefore, I'm like bad people facing person. I think that's kind of the wrong mindset, right? Like nothing in life is you're going to get it right the first time, right? And I think that's okay, right? It speaks to the fact that, you know, you uh, people in general should be able to try out new things and give it a go for a little bit. And then you could kind of feel like, okay, is this really me? Can I really be is this something uncomfortable with? And I think at that time, you you kind of really know when you have a better sense of it, right? So so that's why I tell people, like, never, never try anything just once, right? You need to kind of practice, get more comfortable with it, and then you'll see yourself grow, right? And especially into these personality types as well, right? It's again, it's never either or, right? These are just buckets of different personality traits, I would would like to say. That's true. How about like your social life, David? Like what has changed for you uh, in terms of your personality, how you interact with people when you were like younger versus right now? Was there a change? 
yeah. So I think that I've been always the type of person to, to you know, I just love getting to know people. I, I love making connections. So I think I've definitely, when I was younger, I was, I was much shyer, right? You know, I was the only child. I didn't have any brothers and sisters. And because of that, you're always kind of in your own head. So, you know, I would play video games. I would, you know, come home from school. I didn't do much sports, right? So I would come home from school. My grandparents would raise me. So I was always kind of by myself. And I've always learned to be okay being by myself and to have thoughts in my own head and, and, and not necessarily be so social, right? But I think as I got older, I really want to have a lot of friends. And so that motivation got me out to like talk to different people to figure out, okay, like, hey, I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to send out this, this positive energy and see what comes back to me. And so I think that started on that path to kind of where I am today, right? You know, being this nomad, getting out and meeting different types of people, different age groups, different experiences. And I love it because I think it enriches my life. And again, it was a kind of a big departure from maybe my elementary school days when I was just very quiet because there was no motivation for me to make friends because I was happy just playing video games. Mm. So I, I do see a change there. And what about you, Nick? So I think like what you mentioned previously about your childhood, right? I can relate to that a lot. So I think a lot of like who I am at work right now has a relationship to how there was a motivation for me to change way back when I was in school. So back in school, I was like uh, a very quiet kid just like you. Pretty lonely, I guess. Sometimes I think through the years of my primary school to secondary school, I was probably like the guy by the corner of the classroom, very reserved. I keep my thoughts to myself. I probably live in my head as well. So it's pretty funny. Like I form thoughts in, in my head, you know, like, oh, I shouldn't be saying this. I shouldn't be saying that. Uh, I should not do this. I should not do that. So very kind of Singaporean kid mentality, right? So interestingly, I went through probably a good six to 10 years being that way. And after 10 years, you know, I just really told myself like, hey, Nick, this, mm. this life sucks. You know, <laughs> I, like, I don't like having my break times just being alone. You know, I don't like walking around, having thoughts in my own head, not having like the proper childhood life that I wish I had, you know. And to me, at a point of time, after 10 years, uh, this is first time when after secondary school, right? So in Singapore, after secondary school, we go into this, either go to junior college or tertiary education, which is polytechnic. So I went to the polytechnic route. I told myself okay i have four more years of school life i'm gonna make the best of it you know no, no matter what i need to live like an actual student you know like going out with my friends you know hanging out being rebellious whatever it is right i have to have that kind of like life at least once in my lifetime because life really passes so fast so um the motivation came like uh i was really looking out so instead of you know like the the whole academic route of trying to find the school which fits best in terms of what you want to do academically i was looking for the school which will give me the best student life ever <laughs> yeah so i trust upon this school it's called Tomasic poly back in the days among the rest of the tertiary schools right this school had something that i really wanted and that was student life right when i went to the orientation show houses of the rest of the schools this one stand out because the moment I entered, it was really noisy. That's number one. Number two, I think the people there were just radiating this energy that I really felt like I wanted to be a part of. They were shouting, cheers, and it was just a very welcoming sight. And I thought to myself, hey, I would really want to be a part of them. You know, <laughs> I want to be just like them, standing there one day as well, welcoming people into the school. There's this whole camaraderie feeling about them. There's this whole community of like students there. I felt like that was a life that I really wished for. 
past 10 years of my life has been so monotonous. So I really wanted this for myself. So immediately the moment I went there, I was like, okay, this is the school I want to go to. What is the course that I can do? Let's go. And pretty much it was history, you know, like ever since I went into the school, I joined my first orientation camp and I met a lot of people from all different faculties. I was in IT. I met people from business, engineering, design, um, applied science. So it's very, very interesting seeing people from different core specialties coming together and the whole orientation and community was already there so we learned a lot from each other the energy was good and i think that was where i trained to be a lot more sociable so i started to talk more with people i started to learn how to tell stories i think that's also a very important part of being sociable I started to listen to people more and not form just thoughts in my head, you know, right? These thoughts actually came up and engaged people mm. and I could get feedback. Yeah, all these things were all like learning and, and I have not done it differently in any sense. Mm, exactly. And it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because in my career as well, that even though like I've had this kind of extroversion in the background, I've always wanted, like I never thought I was a very technical person, right? And so... You know, even in my career, I do think that the shifting personality mm. traits actually has helped me. But at first, it was like an inhibition, right? So, you know, I currently am a programmer, software engineer now. But I was actually not that. I didn't go to school for that. I went to school for economics because I thought I was, you know, much more of a people person. I want to have a people-facing role. But, you know, I was in tech. And in tech, the best jobs are technical jobs, product management, which requires some technical knowledge, and especially engineering, right? So... I decided, at first I was like, I don't know if I could actually study software engineering by myself, but I decided to take the leap of faith and I decided to go to a boot camp. And a boot camp is basically a very short and sweet vocational program to get you ready to get that first engineering job. So I decided to get into the program and learn and I got a job and I've been an engineer ever since. And that was about five years ago. So I owe it to the fact that I believe that I could do it. I always said, you know what? Maybe I associate, I thought, oh, maybe engineers are just, we don't have the right personality types. But in actuality, having an engineer who can communicate, who has a well-rounded set is actually highly desirable in the field, right? And that's not to say that engineers need to be introverted. I'm not trying to say that, but I think that of diversity of engineers, it's actually a highly sought after skill set, right? So it's not only the technical, but it's also the way you see, it's also also the way you problem solve. So in a way, it actually helped me yep. get a job at a you know pretty successful engineering company. So you kind of think of it as a contrarian, right? Um, but I think of it as I'm this different person. I could study these technical skills. Maybe someone might think of me as a wow like you have a very different skill set and a different experience set let's let's hire this person and so and i i tell people that you got to think about that from that perspective that's very interesting actually david like when i was working in my tech firm back in the days right my usual perception or personality type that i'm used to for the programmers are like the geeky kind they will see in a corner they will have like this sweater put over their head they will not be the sociable type but like what you say there's only one possible personality type of a coder but that does not define how good of a coder you are right in fact, I think if you want to talk in the sense of like a CTO, chief technology officer, this person probably would have been 
a good coder himself. Maybe not the best, but he was a good coder. But at the same time, I believe he was probably a good salesman, right? At the same time, he probably was also a good businessman. So he probably has like different kind of traits going for him. And that's how he moved himself up the ranks, succeed better than the rest of his peers who probably started at the same time as him and could have been better than him, but may not be where he is right now. So, so I think it's a very interesting uh, concept in a way that our personalities can really change. And the more we embrace the different kind of personalities, we really unlock true growth that is actually valuable. Yeah, exactly. Especially in the technical field, it's such a broad range of skill sets. And so you want someone who can be good at like tinkering at the very highly technical kind of be in the kind of weeds, right? That I think that engineering skill set is very desirable. But there's also some other engineering skill sets where you want to, you know, you have to kind of collaborate and work on a team and, and work cross-functionally with product and maybe legal, finance, uh, operations, right? And so that requires uh, a communication skill set in addition to having a technical skill set. So I tell people that it is not just one type of quality that they're looking for. It's actually many different types of qualities. And again, that comes down to sort of being able to see beyond like a static skill set and, and even your personality, right? Like, again, we have many different buckets and we can leverage that in our careers. Have you ever feared not being able to do something, for example, like in terms of personality traits. For me, I feel not being able to sell. <laughs> Just a very personal story. This happened way before uh, I graduated. So I was back in design school, right? So I was walking through the streets, getting my little design tools. And then on the side of my eye, I actually saw like there was this salesman. He was actually selling irons to a group of older aunties. He was pretty much very outspoken, very loud, demonstrating all sorts of product features uh, right there. And the way he sold, I couldn't see myself reenacting what he was doing. And at a point in time, a, a thought came into my mind. Will I make it in life? If I'm not able to do what he's doing right now, will I actually make it in life? And that struck a fear. Back then as a student, I don't know what my future would be. And mm -hmm. if I wasn't able to imitate what this guy was doing, could I be in danger of not being able to survive in society, right? Mm. Yeah. I think for sales, right, to answer that point and to actually comment on that, you know, people think that as a good salesperson or people facing where you need to be very charismatic, but I actually think that that's only like a secondary trait. Now, being authentic and building connection with your audience, I think is the most important thing when it comes to a people-facing role like sales, right? Sometimes when you have someone who's like too charismatic, too gregarious, it might come off as very inauthentic and that's a big turnoff. And I actually have a story. I had many, many different kind of crazy jobs when I was younger. One of them was selling books door to door. I sold study guides when I was 19 in America. And that was one of the hardest summers of my life. But yet it was the best summer of my life because, you know, I got to travel. We didn't sell in our area that we grew up. So we had a, they would recruit on college campuses and then you would then go to a different part of the country. So I was placed like on the East Coast. And so we took a road trip. But, mm. you know, some of the best salespeople, yeah, some of them were like very charismatic, knew how to talk. Um, built instant trust but some people were actually I think much more timid and shyer but they also were the ones that actually succeeded really well so it ran the gamut right you know I think I was like pretty mediocre with my skill set because I think I didn't actually want to sell books I think I was not motivated because all I wanted to do was travel right I, at that point I didn't really travel much in the US and so I decided you know what it's a, it's a challenge to like do this like selling anything door to door is very very challenging but I decided you know what it will be fun I'm gonna I want to like get to meet different people 
I wanted to go out to a different part of the country. I wanted to like mm. see how other Americans live their lives. And so it was a very different experience. And so I did it because the fact that I wanted some adventure, that's always been a very consistent trait with me. But I think that anyone like different, you know, there, there are different types of personality traits that can succeed in selling. And I realized with that summer selling books, I actually learned that. And I think that was a good thing, right? Again, it's it's not, you don't need to be this type of personality trait to be successful in this function. Secondly, for me personally, am I afraid to do new things? Yeah, I think all the time. The fear of the unknown, I think, is a very natural trait as a human, right? And even for me with traveling, like I've been traveling for years now. And even though I get to a new location, there's always this like couple hours where I'm a little bit anxious. I'm like, okay, I need to like relearn things. Like how do I get from the airport to my Airbnb? Like it's always that just natural fear. But I know that I've been through this before and, you know, I have a plan I've been here before and I think that kind of alleviates my anxiety. So I think in terms of the travel sense, yes. Mm -hmm. Also in terms of like learning a new skill set because I wasn't sure that I was going to succeed as an engineer. But again, practice, 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 right? I kept at it. And that's even how I advise other people who are thinking about becoming engineers themselves. I tell people, look, you might not think that you have this baseline because people always say to me all this time, like, oh, I'm not naturally gifted to be technical. Oh, I did this for like 10 minutes and I, it, was, it gave me a headache. And I'm like, what skill set in life do you think that you could be a master at after doing it for 10 minutes? It's like even something that you enjoy, like playing a video game, right? Like how, how can you be a master at that? So I think it's a weird fallacy, right? I see it a lot when it comes to learning a technical skill set. Yeah, actually, it's very true. So I think what you say really makes sense as well. And I think a lot of times we over glorify the whole idea of like being perfect at the start. That triggers a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. Back then, when I was still starting out my career, right, mm -hmm. I also wanted to be a better speaker. I think what inspired me was actually my boss. Personally, I think she didn't really like to speak at public events, but she needed to because it was all about communicating what the business was doing. It was a little bit of a branding and everything. So she actually told me, Nick, um, if you want to be a better speaker, all you needed to do is just to speak and you need to be intentional about it, right? It's a matter of getting out there, crafting what you want to talk about as a start. It might not be something like a full-weighted topic. It can be just something that you're passionate about. Get yourself out there, you plan a few picking opportunities for yourself and then find out whether you are good at it or not. It's all about getting feedback, right? If you get one picking opportunity, if you're good, more than likely people will recommend you and then you'll get more opportunities. And as you go, you kind of realize, hey, I'm now a speaker right now. So I actually, I actually tested this with my school. So I went back to my old school and I told my lecturer, I was like, hey, you know, like, I'm trying to practice public speaking right now and I would like to share my experiences coming out into working life if I could empower a new generation of students on how they could build up their portfolio and resume and how do you navigate getting into a job from the time you graduate from school. I think I would have already made a very good progress as a start, right? And then it just goes on from there. I think for me, the confidence has built up over time. I remember spending at least two Two weeks just practicing for one talk rehearsing the lines but i think once you go through it for one or two times you start to get a bit more confident and everything just flows from there yeah. and you have now become a speaker i think that's the beauty of it all yeah and if you actually look and you know i tell people because people think oh man i'm never going to be like as good as like these mm -hmm. ceos but actually if you look at youtube and you look at like Jeff Bezos, if you look at Eric Schmidt, he used to be the CEO of Google. If you actually see videos of them speaking in the 90s, you know, they're they're pretty awkward. They have like weird kind of um, things that they do with their hands or they have weird tics. 
And but now they're very smooth, right? They've had to do this over like the course of 20, 30 years of just public speaking again and again and again. You had to give speeches. If you had to give 10,000 speeches, I'm assuming that after that 10,000 speech, you're going to be much better than the 10th speech, right? Because you've practiced, you've gotten feedback, and you just feel naturally more confident in doing that. Again, it's a, it's like building a skill set. And even with you, right? This is kind of the reason why we're doing this podcast, right? Obviously, to kind of share experiences with everyone, but also, you know, to become better public speakers as well. Exactly, exactly. I also think that public speaking, or rather just being comfortable speaking to the mic or speaking to camera these days, it's starting to become an asset, right? It's the era of digital creatorship. So being able to just speak, just doing it and, and believing in yourself is really key. Exactly, right. And you know, I thank you for sort of you being the one to get this podcast started. I mean, I, I'm sure you had some challenges in terms of like figuring out like what the content to do in terms of this podcast, right? Kind of a lot, a lot of iterations. Yeah, a lot of things to tie together. But I'm, I'm glad that we kind of like figure it out together, you know, like building the whole structure behind how do you plot in like the flow of the content, just figuring out how to connect our stories and kind of having the whole structure and structure approach to building podcast. I think it's a very valuable um, experience that I wouldn't have done it differently. Yeah, also, I think we're like engaging multiple personality types, right? Because again, sort of the extroversion, introversion, we have to sort of sometimes like brainstorm together, brainstorm separately, think about different ideas, get comfortable under the mic. And I feel like it engages like all of our different personality traits all into one with doing this. And so in a way, this is like our kind of step into the next, you know, into the next career, right? For me, right, from programmer to podcaster. And I think that's what it is, right? And after the mm -hmm. podcasting, if it, if it takes off, great. If it doesn't, then, you know, I'm okay to do the next thing as well. So in a way, like we are living this new chapter in terms of developing ourselves, right? Yeah, I agree. So just to pass the question back to you, right? If there are one to two other personality traits that you would like to engage for yourself, what would that be? You know, I think that I, you know, I've not really had a people-facing role in the last few years, right? So, and I want to maybe leverage that more um, to engage that more because I'm putting on like my technical hat, you know, when I'm coding and, you know, our company is really small. So like I don't work in a team. I am the principal engineer, right? So I make all the engineering decisions with myself. They're like I have this kind of these mental conversations with myself to decide what's the best course of action to implement a feature. So, you know, I want to engage sort of the the problem solving set, but more in a social setting, right? To like leverage my extroversion, leverage my communication skills more. So I think that's one of the things that I want to do. Because I think it's really important, right? You you gotta exercise that. It's like muscles, right? If you don't practice that, then it becomes it atrophies. And I'm sure with you, Nick, with your kind of sales roles right now, you probably have a few things that you want to work on yourself. Definitely. I think for me, I became pretty introverted during the lockdown. I think I became a lot more conservative, locking myself at home, not really talking to people. But now that everything is starting to lift again, I want to explore more of the extroversion side of myself. I want to be a better speaker. I think that's one thing that I really, really want to hone the muscles for. And eventually, I think where I want to get to is to be comfortable in front of the camera so this is something that will be a gradual step-by-step -step thing so i think that's why starting with this podcast as a good starting point but eventually i would want to do more videos we could even do podcast videos just being comfortable in front of the camera is uh what i want to explore yeah exactly so yeah host, we'll get yeah. there <laughs> definitely we'll get there we just have to again continue what we're doing 
practice. And, you know, there are these digital nomad conferences that will come up once the pandemic is over and then we could go and like present. So that, that's, a, that's something that I actually want to do myself. Yeah, exactly. So I think we can wrap up this episode. So personally, I feel having personalities of different traits are easy as long as we believe that we can do it because we never know how much we are capable of until we actually try it and test it out. I think the more events that happen, the more we test things out, the more data points that we have to believe that we could actually be who we want to be. Yeah, and to that point, I would like to emphasize that it's natural to feel anxiety. It's natural to have fear about trying new things, right? To tap into a different side of your personality, your traits, because it's just not natural, right? People are comfortable with doing the status quo. And so I'm trying to like normalize the anxiety, normalize the fear that everyone has it. Even like the top CEOs, the top speakers, people who we perceive as like being very natural, particular talent, I'm sure even to this day, right? They might have some natural anxiety. So okay, it's definitely okay to feel that way because everyone has it. Yep, well, this has been a great episode. We'll be glad to see who we become in the next two years, especially with what we're trying to explore right here with this podcast. So listeners out there, we also want to hear from you. What do you think about self-identity? Is it a fluid thing for you or is it a rigid thing? How have you explored your personality so far? Definitely hit us up on Instagram on The Other Way Cast. is at T-H-E-O-T-H-E-R-C-A-S-T. The links will be in the show notes. And if you have supporting questions, topics you would like us to cover in our upcoming episodes, do DM us. We would like to hear from you. Yeah, and in the meantime, if you enjoyed this podcast, please hop onto Apple iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review as it helps us gain more visibility on air, which gives us the opportunity to connect to more listeners like you. And also be sure to catch us on our future episodes next week as we dive in more to tips and anecdotes to navigate your modern life. Stay tuned and bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye.